0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 174, take two. This is going to be part one of two makeup episodes because I feel bad that we missed the one episode. And I just had to shut my door because my stupid dog opened it up. You're not stupid, Frank, I'm sorry. You are getting old, though. Um, so, yeah. Tonight's a solo episode. I'm mostly going to go into some of the questions that were asked for 174 uh, and then answer those. And then if I think of things, we'll go from there. Um, It's not going to be a terribly long one, but we'll at least get a half hour out of this. Hopefully more. Uh, And tonight I am drinking some tasty beer, courtesy of... My buddy um, Bradley Brownell, who writes for Flat Sixes, he writes for Hooniverse, and he is one of the hosts and creators of the Cammed and Tubbed podcast, which you should all be listening to. Um, This is from Great Basin Brewing Company, which is Nevada's oldest brewery. It's their White Eye PA. White Eye. The eye is E-Y-E, and then it's Space PA. It's a Belgian-style India Pale Ale. So, on the side it says, what was once a wit beer has been reimagined as a Belden-style white IPA. We've left behind their traditional spices and in their place created a stunning vision of Simcoe, Citra, Eldorado, and Centennial hops. The result is an unfiltered straw-colored brew with bright notes of citrus and pine that help get your head out of the clouds and into the light. Uh, It's, uh, yeah, it's really, it is, it's a light tasting beer in terms of the overall hop characteristic. And you can definitely taste the, the Belgian-ness of it all. Um, and for having all of those hops thrown in there, it's pretty tasty. It's definitely grassy, piney. Um, and if you're into that sort of thing, I like my wines that way. Sometimes I like my beers that way. And uh, there you go. It's great basin from Nevada, as I believe Rugged Ridge pronounces it. Um, <clears throat> so let's just dive right into some questions that were asked of episode 174. Um, and I'm going to start with Patreon because you know the deal. Ken Medi asks, should I keep working on my, and we answered these, which we all had good answers. So my answers now are going to be not as good, just so you know. Um, so Ken Medi asks, should I keep working on my daily driver, 91 Jetta, or should I just switch to something a little more common and easier? I've always loved them, but I've battled with seeing a build through. The good thing about that is Volkswagen, there's, you know, parts everywhere for those, um, if, I mean, if, if it's running and it's your daily driver and you, and you still enjoy it, go for it. Uh, I mean, if how close are you to it being what you want it to be? How much is it going to cost to get it to where you want it to get? Um, but, I mean, if it's in a good place and you're happy with the car otherwise, I mean, there should be there should be a lot of parts for that car. I mean, maybe it's where you live, but it, it, here in Southern California, you can throw a rock at a Volkswagen store or throw a rock and you'll hit one. Um I would have to assume that it'd be pretty easy to get parts of that car, but I could be completely, absolutely, 100% wrong. Uh, but if your heart isn't into it anymore, it could be time to move on, which is what I did with uh, my Civic. That, I mean, I just didn't I, – I, li- I really liked that car. I, I still like that car. It's just I needed something V8, uh, and I got it. Dan Mosqueda, no question, love the brakes guys, fantastic podcast. Uh, Patrick Mills, allegedly, how fast have you or someone who looked just like you ever gone on a public road? Now, we all answered this one, except Collins. Collins didn't want to answer it. Um, We all answered it with people who looked like us, and we said how fast we've gone. And I think Zach said he's hit like 180 or something insane. Um, And I will say that there was a guy who looked a whole lot like me, and this didn't happen in California, from what I've heard, and he once hit 170 miles per hour. Now that is really, really dumb, and I shouldn't tell you that, and that's probably why the first podcast actually like self-immolated to protect us, but whatever, I'm ruining that. So there's a guy who looked similar to me one time, I don't know Matt, how many years ago it was, but he did hit uh, 17 miles an hour, and it was he. the road was empty, he scouted it, from what I've been told, it was wide open, clear visibility, sunny day, no one else out there, dead straight. But still, you shouldn't do that. Don't do as Donnie Don't does. Hashtag jail truck. Would you rather have the cleanest of clean Survivor Ford Escort GT or a 225,000-mile beater Prelude SI any generation? My very first car was a 1987 Honda Prelude SI, so I'm partial to that. However, uh, I mean, if we're talking about, like, the the UK or the European escorts, I I'd get that like, like the Paul Walker fast and furious escort, I would take that in a heartbeat. But if we're talking about that like generic shitty American one, no thanks. I'll take the prelude. Ryan Kelly asks, ready to swap an Ellis into the Wombat yet? No, no I am not. I'm still scheming of ways to get this car going. Believe it or not, it's just it's it it will happen someday. I promise I just don't know when. Marshall Cash, if you had a tiny front-wheel drive hatchback, would you rather cram a V8 in the back for a rear-engine rear-wheel drive monster or homebrew a performance hybrid system with electric power to the rear wheels a la hypercar systems, but backwards? I actually really liked this question when we read it the first time. Uh, and, and everybody in the room pretty much went for the uh, rear-engine rear-wheel drive monster, where I thought it'd be really fascinating if you really knew what you were doing to do uh a, a, an electrically powered hypercar-esque system in a, a hatchback like that. So, you know, taking that, the, the engine, pair it with some batteries and electric motors in the back, I just think that could be really interesting and, and, and neat. Just, I mean, the V8 rear-wheel drive with the engine in the back, you could do some cool wheelies. I think Zach wanted a wheelie car, which was his point. But I just think no one's really done the homebrew hybrid electric. Uh, there's There's companies that do electric systems, I don't, I mean, I'm sure there's some company that does this and I just don't know about it, but maybe if you teamed up with EV West, kept the engine, and had them build the uh, electric battery powered, ooh, I think I have a really good idea here, might have to talk to EV West about something. Igor Gulevsky, would you rather have a Reliant Robin with Hellcat power levels or an Aerial Atom with Beetle power levels? We were all, I think, pretty much in agreement that it'd be Aerial Atom with Beetle, no question. The, uh, and So it doesn't matter which Beetle you're talking about either, because uh, a Reliant Robin with Hellcat power levels would be funny, but it wouldn't do anything. The Aerial Atom, slow car fast, it'd be like the king of slow car fast. Uh, so if it was a modern Beetle, it would actually have plenty of horsepower for that chassis, And if it was an original Beetle, you'd still have fun with it because it weighs nothing. Uh, so it's the Atom with the Beetle all day long. Now, jumping over to the Facebook questions, um, is, Cars and Cactus asks, is 10 gears peak transmission? I hope so. I mean, at that point, you should just be using, utilizing CVTs more effectively, um, I think the 10-gear the transmission exists because there's this um, negative reaction to CVTs, not from everybody. I mean, some people don't even know what transmissions in their car, the average consumer. Uh, but but someone who thinks they know a little bit about cars would know enough to know that we all, as enthusiasts, talk shit about CVTs, so they'd want a real automatic in their car, which I think is why nine, eight, nine, and 10 speeds exist. Eight speeds are pretty good, but nine and 10 is kind of overkill. But if you really work a CVT effectively, um, I mean, at that point it makes sense. I think someone is working on 11 speed, but I'm, what the hell is the point? We're not dealing with semi trucks that need all the gearing for like one low, two one low, one high, two low, two high, just to get their load moving. Um, here it just it's it's overdrive, overdrive, overdrive. No thanks. They're supposed to be filling in the spaces between the gears, which is what I've heard. But again, a CVT would be better at that. Honestly, a CVT would be better at that than, than a 10, 11, 12 speed gearbox. Chris Kohler, what do you guys think the life cycle is in all the new turbocharged cars? at what point will turbos have to be rebuilt or replaced? And do you think there are any long-term negative effects and all the boosts as opposed to any cars of the past? Uh, Chris Hayes had some good points on this. Uh, it related to, I mean, it expanded past the turbocharged stuff, but also got into direct injection and carbon buildup and some of the stuff that's been going on with the Ford products. But yeah, it's, it's those are more spinning parts and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see life cycles on those. Um, you know, Cars are built very well these days, but you, you're still. I'm also another thing we were, we were curious about is the life cycles of starters because everything has a start stop system. Uh, I turn it off when I get into a press car that has a start stop stop system because I hate it. The first generation of them were terrible. It was really loud. It was really clunky, especially if you happen to be driving a diesel. Today they're 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 actually pretty smooth. They they start mostly smoothly. I mean, you can still tell like, oh, whoa, the car shut off. Oh, right. It has start stop. If you own the car, you'd probably get very used to it. But I I, I just don't like it. And it's got to be taxing those starters. So if I owned a starter company, I'd be a very happy person. Josh Webster. Everyone is talking about how much better the new Camaro is with the Alpha platform. So my question is, would you rather have a two-year-old SS or a new V6 manual. The new V6 seems to be pretty impressive. Uh, I I believe the consensus in the room was V6 manual. The new Alpha platform is that good compared to the prior generation Camaro. Um, I, I, I would take the new V6 in a heartbeat and then apply a bunch of tuning stuff at it and you'd have a blast of a car. It's a 300 plus horsepower motor on a much better platform Uh, It's just the Alpha Platform Camaro is so much better than the prior... Well, I don't think it was Zeta. Was it Zeta? I don't remember what it was on before. Brendan McWade. Jeep sales numbers are out. All models showed a decrease for the first time in three years, except one, the Grand Cherokee. After 18,000 delivered to dealers, with no replacement until 2018, is the Grand Cherokee still a solid entry-level SUV? I'm still trying to get my old man to give up his 10-year-old Subaru Tribeca and get a Grand Cherokee. For under 40 grand. is there any other two-wheel crossover that is smoother and more luxurious and with a, rear, a rear-wheel drive bias like the Tribeca, which I didn't – is that true? That has – on a related note, what car do your parents drive? So first part of the question, uh, the Grand Cherokee is fantastic. And there really is nothing better than it until you spend a whole lot more money and jump up to – Range Rovers and and, you know up until full-on luxury. It's very close if you buy a fully loaded Grand Cherokee which is not a cheap vehicle it's damn near it's very extremely premium basically luxury it's a very nice vehicle middle-of-the-road Grand Cherokees are also wonderful if you can convince them to get a diesel that's great as well. Um, Grand Cherokees you can't beat it under below the Range Rover price points. Now, the other question here was uh, what cars do your parents drive? Uh, some of us had some interesting answers, but my, my parents drive nothing interesting. My dad drives a, a brand new Honda CRV after he got out of an older Ford Explorer with a V6. And I remember after he got that Explorer, I was back east. We went for a drive after he recently got it. And he said, uh, I can't even tell it's not the V8. And I just smiled and nodded and didn't, didn't say anything. Uh, my mom drives a Nissan rogue with a Hooniverse sticker so I don't come from car parents but it doesn't matter uh, they're happy with their purchases that's really all that matters to the average person with a car um, Zach's dad had some cool cars but I forget what they were um, Craig on asks is it worth the little extra cash five to eight thousand and the ten thousand to twenty thousand lower miles to buy a BMW z4m over an E46 M3, is the handling substantially different given the shorter wheelbase of the Z4M? The consensus in the room was that you should definitely just get the E46. If we were talking about like a Z3 uh, clown shoe, that thing is fantastic. It's it's cool. It's almost unicorn status, but the E46 M3 is so good that you don't need the, the Z4M. You get Just get the E46. Craig Scantlebury, with many automakers using insipid alphanumeric names, what model would you rename if you could, and what would you have it called? What would you what would you have it called? Yeah, that's what he wrote. What would you have called it? His, sorry, it's the editor in me. Um I would just apply some of the classic stuff to the Cadillac lineup. Uh, I hate this the CT naming scheme. Now, granted, others in the room when we talked about this, Made a great point that now you know the average generation that's buying the younger demo that is into Cadillacs are buying CTS and ATS and they know what it is and they associate that with the brand and they're right that's a great point but I just think how cool it would be to have a full size badass hundred thousand dollar crazy luxury Cadillac Eldorado a hundred thousand dollar S class competitor better than, that'd be so much cooler than CT6. That is such a dull name. So I would go with that. I wish that Infinity. I wouldn't take them away from alphanumerics because they've always been there. I just wish they never got rid of uh, the, the, you know, the G, the Q, the FX. Those because those are all like separate brands. Not separate brands, but they they had their own identities in the Infinity lineup. Like oh G Coupe, that's cool. Oh FX, that's a sweet V eight SUV. And but that's all gone now with the Q and QX. Hopefully they're getting over it a little bit because the vehicles they're building for the most part are pretty good. Cody Johnston, would you rather wait another two years for the Wombat to get finished the way you want it or have it done by this weekend but pimp my ride style and it have to stay like that? Not a chance. I would much rather wait another two years. The pimp my ride cars were terrible. They usually just... Didn't, they usually didn't do anything to the engine unless they really, really had to. And the rest of the car was just you know TVs and fish tanks and bullshit. So I don't know. I would wait and do my wagon right, um, which clearly I'm doing. Nick Taylor, when looking at a used car, are there cases when a replaced motor or transmission is a plus? Usually seems to reduce a car's value. I mean, yeah, if the engine was blown, you're definitely going to want a new one. If it was done correctly. So if it was done you know, through the dealer or the extremely reputable shop, and it depends what kind of car you're talking about too. So, I mean, obviously we're talking about like a 68 Camaro with an LS3. That's, that's pretty dope. Um, but the, um, it just all depends on the situation. You can't kind of just paint a broad picture like that. So like if you had an Audi S4 Avant and the original engine went at 50, but the new engine in there is 24,000 miles and it was done at a dealership or at a reputable shop, then, you know, that's, you're probably going to want that newer motor in there. Ross Ballard Mustang production temporarily shut down due to slow stay at sales. Thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, the Camaro is fresher at the moment and that's doing well. Uh, I'm not, Terribly concerned about it. I mean, there's so many Mustangs out there. They might have just hit peak Mustang because everybody who wanted one bought one. Um, and that's a good thing for them. But, you know, I, I see so many Mustangs on the road just because in California it makes up most of the rental car fleet along with the Camaro. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's cause for worry just yet. Taylor Schull. How absolutely frustrating is it to always be the bridesmaid and never the bride at K1? with Tanner Faust? That's a pretty funny question. Uh, and I think I laughed the first time I, I read it, but I've I, obviously this is the second time reading it. So I'm fine with it. I should not beat Tanner Faust. I was seven tenths off his fast laps at K1, which I'm extremely happy with. Uh, on a small track like K1, you know, that's a lifetime. And when he passes you, he's gone. It's crazy how much faster he is. Now, I'm not saying the whole... I'm not going to blame power to weight. He is a pro driver and a damn good one at that. Um, And he's a nice dude, too. I always enjoy chatting with Tanner. uh, And I think he got hosed a little bit. Scott Speed deserved to, to... was also deserving of the win at GRC. But Tanner got a little banged up by Deegan again though it's racing and GRC is racing where it it, it can be pretty aggressive Um, but it's a bummer when you're competing for a championship at least you're competing for a championship with your own teammate and they seem to genuinely like each other at least that's the impression I get when I've seen them in person Um, so who knows but no I'm I'm fine as long as I beat all the other journalists I'm fine with that Um, very fine with that to be honest Cars and Cactus, will the USA really be driving Chevy Colorados from Mad Max in the future wars? I doubt it. It's probably going to be at SEMA. Josh Ostrander, spaghetti fingers or meatball eyes? I don't even know what that question means. I feel like I should, and I'm going to be made fun of for not knowing, but I don't know what that means. Is it like a, a it sounds like a line from Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, but I know it's not. All right. Karmadiru Andre Bogdan. How can I see Matt, Chris, and the other blokes in Europe and their new show? Sorry. You don't have to apologize for that. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll be online. You might be able to get it through iTunes. Uh, That's a question for Matt and Zach on Twitter, possibly. JF would also be a good one to ask. Cars and Cactus. Why is a Range Rover better than a Subaru off-road? It isn't necessarily better in most situations, but I believe it has more travel um the differential system might be different it also has a much more diverse and this is for the people who you know you can scoff at this but it's engineered really well the terrain response system can get you through pretty much anything the Subaru Forester here's the thing the Subaru Forester is shockingly good off-road the Range Rover is expectedly good off-road um but you're paying significantly more money for them too Super, I'm driving a Subaru Forester right now, the XT, and I really like it. And it's totally fully loaded at thirty-six. I think it's fully loaded. It has to be at $36,000. Really nice leather seats inside, power lift, tailgate, big sunroof, uh, the eyesight system, the Harman Kardon sound system, so all that stuff. And then a Range Rover, you know, I think the cheapest, well, the cheapest Range Rover, not counting like a Discovery and, and all that shit, is like $65,000. And then you mostly see them at 80 90 $100,000. So, I mean, there's the real answer. Um, so I, I'm not doing the Twitter questions tonight because I don't feel like scrolling back through Twitter. Um, and there's usually more Facebook questions anyways. And the Patreon ones, as you all know, are the most important ones. Um, but uh, just to talk about what's been going on besides fucking up the last podcast, uh, I'm getting ready to move into my new condo. We close uh, – you're listening to this on Wednesday, so we, we sign the papers on Thursday. I get the keys two weeks after that. And then uh, we're renting it back to them for like a week or two before the sellers move into their house. So I'm I, the first week of November, I, I haven't even tested it yet. I hope my truck fits in the garage. It's a one-car garage, but I have plans to make – I really think it's going to fit. I, I think I'll be fine. And it's going to be kind of cool to have my own garage. It's not attached to – the condo, but it sits right below it and we're an end unit. So once I open the door, I'm in my own garage. Not like now where my Hoon truck, if you're in anybody's garage, you're in the entire garage. I hate that so much. So I have some cool ideas for how I'm gonna make this slimmer space work and turn it into a cool work area. And I really hope it works. Uh, I've seen this really neat workbench that folds flat against the wall and then lifts up and supports tons of weight when you need it. Uh, I have an ideas for overhead storage. I'm going to hang some of my, my, um, pictures that I've had to take down from my former office, which became Sloan's room, uh, which are just in the, in the current garage storage, you know, wrapped up and covered like my Senna, my signed, not signed by Senna, signed by the director of the movie, uh, movie poster in a really nice frame and a bunch of other stuff I haven't framed yet. So all that's going to go in there. Uh. I'm really looking forward to having my own space, even though it's not like the two car attached that I would be dreaming of with the beer fridge and the, the, the um, racing seat and for Xbox and all that crap. Uh, but whatever, it's ours and it's my first property and it's very exciting. Uh, it just sucks that I have to leave Huntington Beach to do it. So we'll be moved. Welcome to Lake Forest, California. Uh, but if you know the area, I am 10 minutes to Cook's Corner. That's pretty cool. That's most likely going to become the new Hooniverse Highway Hooning Grounds. There's some pretty sweet roads over there, and I've only just begun to explore it. Uh, and I can still pop down to Ortega Highway because it's I'm closer than I was before. Uh, so that'll be all good. I'm looking forward to that. It's exciting, and uh, it'll be nice to have a little bit more room and something we can call our own, and it's nicer than this place. I have nobody above me anymore. I have nobody um, below me. Not that I have that here. Below me. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that's exciting. Uh, hopefully I should have something crazy like the first week just so I can like make my mark. Like, who the fuck is that guy? Why did someone buy a condo in here and then have a car worth more than it? Um, cause I do have a McLaren next week, but I don't, that won't be in time. I'm getting the 570S in a week, but I'm still working on scheduling the five, the Lambo 580-2, um, a Viper ACR because I want to do like a goodbye Dodge Viper video. And then uh, what else do we got? we got some other – I think I put a couple cool – I actually – I'm getting a Nissan Armada and I'm really looking forward to that um, because it's, you know, it's the patrol basically. So it's it's not just a, a soft – It's it, it should be able to handle a bunch of crap thrown at it, which would be really interesting. And then beyond that, i got to start scheduling more cars. I just spent a week with a Golf R just because I needed to get caught back up on that car – um, and then I have the Subaru Forester, like I said, this week. So, uh, I really, really like the Forester. If we, if we shopped a little bit more and Jen is not a big Subaru fan just cause she's not a car person. So she doesn't get that side of it. Um, I, I, a Forester versus our CX-5, um, I definitely would have, the CX-5 is more money. I'm sorry. The Forester is more money, especially the way I would have wanted it. I'm sure you can get a very affordable Forester. Though I guess at that point you could just get a cross track because that's surprisingly good as well. I would love a cross track with mud flaps and like BFG KO twos, but it's her car, so I mean it's our car, but she drives it, so um, that's why we didn't go that route. But driving the Forester around is like you realize this. I mean, granted, like I said, fully loaded, but driving it around, it, it's the Forester's great. If we lived in New England, it, it just makes so much sense in those areas, uh, but. Out here, it'd be fun to turn it into like a little dirt rally machine. Um, so, what else is going on? Oh, I attended um, the Optima Streetcar Challenge for a video project I'm shooting for another company. We actually shot John Kerry's Porsche. This is the, that blue 1970 Porsche that we reviewed on Hooniverse on our channel. Uh, it's the only 911 I've ever driven. It's a 19, from 1970 with an engine from either 85 or 87. Uh, we shot two videos with John and his car, and I'm pretty happy with the way this all turned out. Uh, um, when it's up and available, I'll send you all links to it, or I'll post links to it so you can see where it is, because this is not a Hooniverse project. This is outside of Hooniverse. Uh, I'm not in it. I just shot it. I edited it. Uh, I directed it. Uh, but we took the car to the Optima Streetcar Challenge, uh, it was John's first time on a track, so that was pretty awesome to see. Is it, it the cars' first time back on the track since you know decades from back when his father used to race it. So it was really cool. Uh, the cars at the Optimus Streetcar Challenge are incredible. It's all it's ninety percent highly modified muscle cars, which to me is is nearly heaven. Um, so, I mean, some of these are a little over the top, and I back it down in some spots, but these are these are insane insane machines super loud super fast all of them are running upgraded suspension so they could stop and turn there are a few modern cars there there was a dude who drove his focus rs all the way from texas which was insane to see and he was having cooling issues so he just cut a hole in his hood um there's a guy running a crazy fast evo um what else was there? There's this dude in this like rally Civic with these big rally lights up front that looked it looked really awesome. I think it was like an EG hatch or something. I think he's on Instagram as at Subtle Driver. I think that was his name. Um, but that that car was super super awesome. And he had a Forester that was just looked incredible with the front skid plate and more lights. And but it was funny seeing the uh, the old 911 there. Somebody somebody had a 911 Turbo a 999 seven or I wanna say, nine eleven turbo and it was it was like cheating at this event. Um it didn't look modified at all and it was one of the fastest cars there, like by a big margin. But there were some of the modified muscle cars, like Mary Posey and her Camaro. Holy shit, she's incredible. Um it was just a really, really cool event. If I ever get the wagon done, I'd love to roll up in that and, and really surprise a few people. Um, I think everybody would be more surprised listening to the podcast if I rolled up anywhere in that car. So, you know, someday, someday. Goals and dreams, right, folks? Um, Hoon Truck is back on the road because uh, I got the steering. I think, I'm pretty sure I talked, spoke about this, I think. It's hard to know now since we had the one episode we had to throw out. Uh, installed a new... Rag joint, but there's definitely something going on with the steering box itself. Still, I took the truck out for a spin over the weekend, and it just the steering is tight. It's way tighter than it should be, and there's some drag in the steering. And I got to diagnose it more further down the steering line and really figure it out. I'm gonna wait till my father-in-law's in in town for Thanksgiving, and then uh, make him get a little dirty with his hands while we're there in my new garage, assuming that the truck fits. Um, but it'll fit. I'll make it fit. Um, <laughs> it'll become a short bed soon. So that, that, that's what's going on at the moment. Trying to think of, uh, oh, uh, Infinity Q50S Red Sport video. I'm going to try to finish it up after I'm done recording this. And that should be out soon. We have the Audi R8 shot. Um, so I got to edit that. I have, uh, let me see. Actually, I can open this, uh. Thumb drive up and see what's on here because that'll tell me. So Audi R8 V10, Audi S8 Plus. I drove the Jag E-Type SVR at the Coronado Speed Festival, and then the Range Rover SVR. So we got some good videos coming, some really really good videos, and I'm looking forward to those. Uh, those are going to be fun ones to edit just because the, the subject matter is, is awesome. Um, so that'll be good stuff. So this is this is like I said, this wasn't gonna be a long one tonight, but we're gonna to try to do two this week to make up for that fact. So this is part one of the makeup apology tour for dropping the episode last week. Gonna get Collins back on because he had some great stories about Baja and his scout and his life at Jalopnik and, and, and uh he had some good stuff. So we're we're definitely gonna get him back on there. Um, and uh, but in the meantime, if you'd like to support this podcast, go to patreon.com. Don't don't hit stop. Don't you hit stop yet. Do not hit stop. Listen to what I have to say. Go to patreon.com slash Uh, We've got some good rewards. So those of you who, who recently signed up and haven't got your stuff yet, it is going in the mail this week. Except for the top tier people, your t-shirts are ordered. They're being made. So that's what I'm waiting on. They are being made. Um, everybody else with the stickers, those are going this week. There's only a few of you, uh, and and I apologize if, if it's been a while since you've signed up, but like 95% of you should have your stuff. Uh, and if you don't, please let me know because um, something went wrong. Um, follow me on Instagram at Hooniverse Jeff. Also, follow our account at The Real Hooniverse. Follow me on Twitter, chat, say hi, at Jay Glucker, also follow at The Hooniverse. Go to our YouTube channel, we're closing in on that 30,000 mark that I really want to hit. Go to hooniverse.com and read our stuff, because that's where, if you ever want updates on things, that's where we post about updates to the project cars uh, that are going on. Like We posted some new stuff with the Ranchero, the Lemons Ranchero is finally getting worked on for next season of Lemons. So stuff is happening there, and if you're curious about that, you got to tune in on the website to find out. Um, so there's, there's plenty to read there. Um, but in the meantime, uh, I hope you enjoyed this part one episode and I'll see you later in the week for part two. Peace out.